Welcome to another episode of Employability Matters, a careers-related podcast where we dive into all topics associated with the world of work. We feature special guests sharing their personal career journey, as well as we provide you with job search tips and relatable advice with your host, moi, Sophia Lewis. We have heard in the news about the high pressures facing teachers, especially during the coronavirus pandemic. I am sure you will agree with me that they are doing such a great and marvellous job during these unprecedented times. From school closures, colleges and universities, to axing exams, COVID has changed the delivery of formal education for years to come. So today, I wanted to put a spotlight on teaching. Joining us today, my friend and special guest, Natalie Robb, will be sharing her career journey within teaching. For this episode, you will gain an insight into her current role as Head of Media Studies and Lead English Practitioner within a London secondary school. After successfully completing her A-levels at the Brit School in Acting and Theatre Studies, Natalie went on to university to study English literature, publishing and media. During her final year of university, Natalie worked as a teaching assistant and it was here that her passion and love of teaching developed. After carrying out various roles within the media industry, Natalie embarked upon teacher training at the Institute of Education. Over the last 12 years, Natalie has undertaken the following roles, Head of Key Stage 3 in English, Deputy Head of Sixth Form, Head of English Department, and now her current role as Head of Media Studies and Lead Practitioner of English. So let's get started growing up my first job was um, working at my mum's um, market stall in Hackney oh wow <laughs> 14 15 years old you know that was just hard hard work oh my <laughs> goodness but just getting into insight into your career journey and everything what was your first job yeah so um gosh my first job was around 14 as well um so my mum uh worked in accounts she was like an accountant and um, I would go in with her in the holidays and I would earn about, was it £2.50? I think it went up after a while to £3 an hour because I was only 14 and I'd write the checks. So like they'd give me all of the details and I'd write out these checks in the checkbook that they would send out to their clients or whoever else or pay their, their um, employees that were like on the books, if that makes sense. Um, I was filing just basically like office dog's body to be honest but it was just amazing because like for me working I don't know five hours a day or you know and getting I don't know 70 quid at the end of the week to go to Gap or to go to Topshop when you're 14 to buy whatever it is that you want to buy was just amazing and I prefer I preferred that to it was it was either there or going to the adventure playground and I'd rather go in to work and earn some money and then meeting up with my friends on the weekend before going back to school and buying something cool to wear to school. Yeah, so that was my, my first job. And because we didn't have a uniform at my school, 
my secondary school, like it was even more important that, yeah, we kind of were into our fashion and things like that. Well, that's really good that you was able to get, what, 70 pounds. I wasn't paid a cent. No. <laughs> no, I no, 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 no. Seriously. Yes. So it's good. I know what you mean, because growing up, I remember them times we're all, in, we're all into fashion and, you know, hooking up with your friends and going out and enjoying yourself. So on the role of um, your first job working as a, you said, a general's dog body, but I bet it was more than that. Administrator, posh, isn't it? Administrator. Something Administrator, like yeah. So tell us about your role as an educator. What is like your typical day in the current role that you do? Oh, gosh. Um... Well, every day is different as a teacher, but there are some things that are always the same. So your timetable will always be the same. So you will teach that same, you'll see that class at that time every single week, unless something happens. But generally you would arrive at school around half seven to eight, 10 past eight. Um, the school day starts around half past eight. You'll probably have like tutor time where you'd need to take the register, maybe do have some interaction set the tone of the day for a group of students um that starts around half past eight and then most schools the lessons will start in and around nine o'clock um you'll teach a couple of lessons throughout that day you might have a bit of a tough day where you're teaching all day um and you don't have much breaks so you just have your break and your lunch but you're still we we call it we're running because you just don't have a lot of time and you're literally go, go, go. And on those days, it's really quite stressed. Well, I, I like those days because they go really quickly, but you have to be organized. Cause if you can imagine like all your resources need to be ready, your lessons need to be ready to go. You need to know where you're going, like every single minute counts. So it can be quite an adrenaline, energy, energy kind of exciting, like on the ball, like go, 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 go. And you've got to like change hats because you could be teaching year seven and then you could be going to teach in sixth form. Then you could be in the meeting. Then you could be uh, doing a break duty. Then you could be back in teaching GCSE. Then you could be training. You could be observing somebody teach, giving feedback. Like um, there's the role is so varied um, and you're required to do so much um, just like that. Just like that. You know, you could be talking to a parent or the head or you could be talking to social workers, or you could be consoling a student, or you could be, you know, um, creating resources with another teacher. You know, it's it, it it's just yeah, anything goes, anything goes. But um, in essence, there are some things that are fixed, like the time of the day and your timetable. But what comes into those can change on a daily basis. So yeah. So tell us what else you do in your school. My job role, um, I am a head of department, so I'm head of media studies, um, and I'm also like a lead practitioner of English, um, which is my, my main subject, but I've taken on media, gosh, this January just gone, 2020 would have been a year that I'd been managing this department. Um, I've managed an English department before in a previous school, um, and I've also been a deputy head of sixth form for four, no, three years in a private school, which I worked at for four years. So I've met, I've led teams before in different capacities, um, but this is a little bit different because this is a subject that's not my um, original subject. So I've had to kind of learn it as I was going. So last year has been, this whole past year from January till now 
um, January 2019 until now has been a steep learning curve for me because it's not my original subject. I didn't train to teach media, so I've had to learn it all on the job. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. Really, really good. I still teach English as well. So my, my timetable is split between media and English. Um, I train teachers and help develop teachers. When, it, when we say head of department, you manage everything. So you are responsible for all of the students' um, progress in your subject. So I have to track and trace and make sure that the students are retaining and progressing as they should be in my subject area. And I am in charge of that, regardless of whether I'm their teacher or not they fall under my jurisdiction, so I'm accountable. I'm held heavily accountable um, by the governors, by the school and obviously by the governors. So um, I track and analyze data. So my role is quite heavily um, driven by spreadsheets, good old Excel. Um, so lots of analyzing, lots of forecasting. Um, also, I'm managing behavior, so anything that you know, if any students aren't behaving in within media, not necessarily just in my lessons, but the lessons of uh, the teachers that might teach media would come under me as well. Like I would, they would obviously deal with it, but then I would pick it up. Any correspondence with parents, um, the overall curriculum of media. So I decide what they learn, when they learn it, how they learn it, how they're assessed on learning it. Um, so creating assessments, tracking assessments. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm it's a lot. I'm just hearing about all of the stuff that you do and it is like, my head is exploding right about <laughs> now because you're head of department and as well as a practitioner of English. And like those two roles, I mean, you should really be just doing one, <laughs> really. That's what I'm thinking in my head, you know, but teaching on its own in silo and as well as head of a department that is I, I take my hat off to you when you're in that middle management role um it's quite hard because you've got from top down and up down and you have to kind of oversee and do everything and it's the middle where the change happens right that's where you know if you're if you're um in a business or a corporate company or wherever if the corp if the middle isn't right it's not it's not going to work really so how many students are under your care Ooh, how many students? Uh, maybe about a hundred. Wow. <laughs> There's media, so it's not a main subject. Okay, it's a lot, it's, yeah. So it's, a, it's an option subject. So it just okay. depends on who chooses the subject. But we do A-level. So we've got year 12, year 13, and we've got GCSE right. as well. So maybe around about a hundred. So why did you choose this career path? Um, so yeah, so I, I originally trained as an actress. I went to the Brits and that was my passion. That was my passion, did acting, singing, dancing, um, and had always done that and loved reading. Literature was my, my, my passion as well, like just bookworm growing up. If it wasn't, yeah, dancing, singing or acting, it was my head was in a book or I was gonna write a novel um, or writing so many novels that never finished. I think we, I don't know, I think we all did that as um, youngsters. And then I went to the Brits and then I thought, you know, I need a backup, I need, something because you know being an actress a, a black female actress as well like how often do you see them on tv i mean even now how often do you see them on tv so i needed a backup and so i went to uni and did english literature 
and you know I worked in jobs like Karen Millen and etc etc and it was in my final year that I got a job working as a TA in a local primary school and that was when I fell in love with the kids to be honest I just fell in love with the kids I fell in love with the community I fell in love with the way they make you feel like I just remember when I was leaving like there was tears, they were all crying. This is in the primary school, they were all crying. And you know, the big cards that you got and the, just so much love, just so much love and care and warmth in that building every single day. And I, it never felt like work. Like I never was watching the clock thinking, oh God, I can't wait for half three to come. Or, um, you know, I never, I would never take a sickie. I never ever thought about, oh, I don't want to come in today. I just want to stay at home because my job meant something. Like I knew they were depending on me. And even though I was just helping, you know, not just helping kids, but I might just be doing the paint pots for the day or I might have a group outside doing, I don't know, number charts, you know, because it was a primary school. It still just meant to do it, but I, I felt like I needed to be a little bit older. So I, and I wanted to see about, you know, working in the media and getting a, a a different job you know an adult not an adult job like teachers not but like a job just outside of teaching just in the normal rat race kind of business job um and I thought I needed to be a bit older um life experience so I left it a couple of years and then I went back into teaching I went to train at 26 27 awesome awesome so what qualifications yeah. do you have and I have a degree in English literature and I've got some modules in, in media and publishing added on to the end of that, but predominantly it's, it's English Lit. Um, and then I've got a PGCE, which I've got from the Institute of Education, which I, I am proud to say is still the best and was the best. The best, yes. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I trained there and that took a year of training um, and you get experience working in two different schools on the job being trained, et cetera, et cetera, and you go into uni. So that's, that was the traditional way. But then um, shortly after I trained, they had an on the school, and I think they were doing it as well. There was another way as well, which is, I think it's changed now, but I think it's school-based. Okay. It's called school-based. So you would have a job with the school and they would be responsible for your training. Right. And then they would work with an outside assessor this is what it, what it was in the past, who would come in and who would assess you. But what school started doing, like, I mean, uh, like for example, Harris Academy at the time, they decided to do it all in house. So they created their own teaching schools. So you could just bypass having to apply to lots of different schools or even going to uh, the uni and you could apply through Harris and they would train you in one of their schools and you could do it that way. Um, and now there's another company called Teach First, which is called Teach First, which started up just as I trained as well, um, which, um, yeah, it's just another, another route in, which is very similar, very similar to all the other ways. Um, yeah, because I have heard of Teach First, but a lot of the people that I know that are teaching um, at this present time, they all went to IOE. <laughs> and everybody sings praises about IOE, most definitely. So in terms of your, um, your career so far, what type of challenges have you faced? Like, I don't know, being a female. <laughs> I think I've just been real. Being a female and having a child, um, you'd think that teaching would be 
um, a family friendly role, but I don't think that it always is. I think it's trained, it's trying to change. Um, there's so many, it's a female driven job, but there's not that many female leaders. Okay. So the majority of school leaders, SLT, you know, the rung above me, um, are male. Um, and then being black on top of that is another, another thing, uh, another cross I have to bear. Um, being a black female that I think you get to a certain level so I kind of am bumbling around this level certain roles and to push through um, is a challenge. Mm. So is there any sort of like organisations that are within um, your sector like supports black female leadership within schools? The leadership um, training course that I'm starting which is an MPQSL. It's basically a senior leadership. They have one for the ML, which I also have, which I got from the Institute of Education. Mm -hmm. um, and it basically uh, trains people who are ready for that senior leadership role. And it's a year course. So I'm starting it in September, well now when I go back. Um, yay. And I have to run, for this course, it means I have to run a whole school project for two terms. Um, so it's got to be something that involves pretty much everyone and will impact everyone. Again, I'll have to track the progress and I've got to write up. I think it's like a, I think it's either two, I think it's about 5,000 words, uh, commentary or report, etc. on, on that thing and whatever, whatever to pass. Um, but yeah, it will basically showcase my talents and prove that I am ready for the next step when I go for um, interviews and applications, etc., I can put that down and other schools will know, right, okay, she's got this qualification, um, she's ready. Not only will my CV and my experiences say that, but I've got this qualification too. So I'm excited about doing that. Thumbs up, thumbs up. And I think what is really key is about having that entrepreneurial mindset within your workplace to show that you are open to opportunities and you know further training you know lifelong learning and such you don't want to yeah I mean, somebody could be in a role and just be happy with that but you know always try to encourage people to learn more you know and yeah that your skills can be transferred if you wanted to move to another position then you can but it's so important and especially i know that you're heading towards you know bigger and better things as well isn't it yeah, no, I agree with you. I think as a teacher, you need to learn. You need to continually learn. Like the best teachers out there are life learners. Now I try to teach the students that, you know, um, you need to learn, be able to learn all the time. This, you need to learn the skill of learning. It's not just about learning the knowledge or that I need you to pass this test or whatever, whatever that you're interested in. It's about knowing how you learn and why you learn and wanting to learn and to continue that learning otherwise you will stagnate yeah. and you won't be able to be the best you that you can be so yeah it's forever learning of somebody who wanted to become a teacher what do you feel are the top three skills or qualities that are required to be a teacher you need to be able to build relationships that is absolutely key. Like, forget the subject knowledge, like at this moment in time, you can learn that, you can learn that. The key thing is building relationships. Building relationships with the kids is paramount. Building relationships with your staff, your people you're working around, building a relationship with the parents, just all stakeholders. Being able to build a relationship is absolutely key. 
And then it's communication. You need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to communicate well. You need to be able to break down knowledge. You need to be able to take the information and be able to disseminate it to your audience, whoever that might be, whether that's the students, whether that's the parents, your, um, I don't know, your head, whoever it is you might be presenting to, you need to be able to communicate and to be able to like understand how to teach, how to um, cascade information, etc. cetera. Um, and I guess resilience, resilience. And I'm gonna show a fourth one in there, like, you need to persevere. You need to be tenacious, you know, because some days are tough. And, you know, you might be teaching a bottom set and you might have to teach them the same concept five, six times. And, you know, they ain't going to get it because, you know, I don't know what else, what stuff might be going on for them or they've got a learning difficulty, et cetera, et cetera. But, or, you know, I don't know what it is, but, you know, you just have to keep going and have that drive have that perseverance have that resilience that you are going to get back up you're going to go back in there and you're going to do what it is that you need to do for the kids and that's important it's for the kids isn't it it's for the children those who are in your care because you want them to succeed and to do well one memory that really sticks out for you oh god one memory i don't know if this this isn't necessarily in the classroom or in a school environment but this is just one thing that makes me do what i do if that makes sense. Um, a student from one of my first ever teaching classes in um, back in the day, um, I taught this his class for two years in a row. Um, I taught them from year eight and then into year nine and year 10. Anyway, I taught them for two years. And about 10 years later, he's emailed me. Yeah, 10 years later, he's emailed me. Um, in an email just basically thanking me for um, for being his teacher. Um, apparently, I taught him that he can do whatever he wants to do if he just pushes forward and keeps on trying. And it actually brings me to tears and it brought me to tears when I read it because it was just like, so he's, he, he's, he went to film school um, and he's doing, you know, wants to be a director and that was what he was, he was doing. And he was just like, I just really want to thank you because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. It was like a couple of paragraphs just talking about our time together. And it was just, it's those little things, you know, or a student that you don't teach anymore who sends you a Christmas card and says, you're my favorite teacher and you haven't taught them for two years or, um, or just or just when they get it or just having a laugh with them it's the little time just it, there's no like big grand obviously there are big grand gestures but it's just you know somebody else upset and you you cheer them up and they come back and they say thank you or even if they don't say thank you but you just see them across the lunch hall and you know that they're all right it's those it's those little things it's those little moments i think or parents at parents evening saying oh he just he he hated english and now he's got you and he just loves it and he just want he just can't wait i don't know what you've done mm -hmm. and you're just like oh that's lovely and the thing is that you're just being you you're using your talents and your giftings just to impart that hopefully they'll get the passion and you know 
um, the understanding of the subject and that's when you think you know what I've done my job now because you're empowering them isn't it that's yeah. the important thing yeah yeah so in three words sum up your career so far within teaching three words three words um my career in teaching has been fast um dynamic fast dynamic and rewarding love it fast dynamic and rewarding so what was your first teaching job like was it fast dynamic and rewarding yeah it was it was very fast (laughs) very dynamic and it was rewarding um but it was too fast for me um they wanted me to be head of department and i'd already only been teaching two years and i i ran i'm being honest i left (laughs) i was like it's too much what do you mean i'm already second in charge after teaching a year i can't do that no i need more grounding first um so it was very fast you know looking back at that and you said that you ran from that particular opportunity um what have you learned so far from that particular experience do you look back and say no i wish i did take that up or you said no i'm glad for the decision that i made you know tell us about. i'm glad for the decision that i made because i wasn't ready Mm. i'm glad because i wasn't ready um i think that you can move very quickly and people can give you opportunities etc etc but do you really know what you're doing is my question i see it all the time um and i think that you know some people are fine and some people do know what they're doing they can go on but i just think for me know your craft know your craft know what you're doing be be grounded and then move because you will move with purpose yeah because you're preparing them for adulthood isn't it for them to make a positive contribution in society so looking back over your career so far, how, what advice would you give to your younger self? The advice I'd give to myself would be, I don't, I don't know, actually. I think I've done all right. <laughs> Apart from having my son at a point in my career where I was just about to get into SLT and I could have waited and, become, and got into SLT, then had my son, so I wouldn't have to wait four years. Because I think that when you have a child, it does... It does stop, you know, because you're focusing on being a mum, et cetera, et cetera. Like this, it just does happen. Not for everyone, but it does happen for most people. You kind of have to wait a year or two before you can then, you know, push forward. So, um, well, I found in teaching anyway. Um, so apart from that, um, but life happens when life happens, right? That's true. And that could be the advice to your younger self. Life happens when life happens, just to be open to... I don't know the to, to whatever yeah exactly yeah that's awesome because if somebody was to ask me that to myself i would say be patient with yourself and be kind it's not all that bad that's <laughs> so know? true it's not all that bad it's be so true. and be kind with yourself so if it's gonna be okay it's true it's true actually you know what i would say as well was that it might seem like in the school like what is happening is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Like schools have this way because they're such a microcosm that when you go in, you just get sucked in and everything can seem so dramatic. And actually it's not as bad as it might seem and prioritize, prioritize because they'll make you feel like it's the most important thing in this whole wide world and nothing else 
is important, but actually your friends, your family, you outside of teaching is like so important because teaching can be so all encompassing and all consuming. Um, make sure you find time for yourself. Make sure you get that work-life balance. Work-life balance is key, absolutely key. Like say no um, to yourself, say no to yourself because the job is never complete. The job is never complete. There's always something to do. You just have to say no. Yeah, I think that's a really good lesson because when you, when you were talking about how the school is all encompassing and there's so much work to get done and the work will always be there, you know, but if you're tired and you're stressed and your mental health has had an impact, That's there's no way that you can do the work and, you know, perform to your highest potential. Especially when you're a new teacher, but it, I mean, all the way through, to be fair, mm -hmm. um, you're working late nights, planning lessons, marking, um, getting up, getting in early, maybe you're even doing wait weekends, maybe you're doing after school catch ups, maybe you're going in on a holiday as well. Because, you know, yeah, you know, you're working in a holiday, you're giving up all this extra, extra time. You know, the job does not finish at half past three, four o'clock. You know, um, I often might leave at five, come home, sort my son out, cook dinner, read him bedtime stories, get him into bed. And then by eight o'clock, I'm back on again. I might be back online. Yeah, I might be online. I might be back on my laptop from eight till ten. And then I go to bed at 10 o'clock. You know, a mass exodus of, you know, staff leaving um, education is because of the poor, you know, work-life balance and intensity of the work when you just got to hit the ground running. As soon as the term starts, you hit the ground running. You're waiting for half term in October. Then you're waiting for December. <laughs> then you're waiting do, do you think, you think it's just <laughs> my life in six weeks blocks? Mm -hmm. I'm not being, I'm being honest. I live my life in six weeks blocks. So you need to, you know, if that's your career path that you want to go on, you just, yeah, I need to tell you all the facts. Like, it's not a, a walk in the park. Like, you know, you're not just, you know, off having holidays every two weeks or every six weeks. Um, a lot of your holiday time will be working, mm -hmm. catching up, preparing for the next half term. Um, so it really, really is important that you are able to prioritise and you are able to switch off and say no the school is not going to burn down nothing is going to happen the kids are still going to come in the clock is still going to keep ticking so it doesn't matter you just need to prioritize and work out what is important and what isn't and manage is time management is absolutely crucial so you've been working in education for how long now 13 years now middle management english practitioner so what and you also said something key that you assess or observe other teachers tell us a bit about that um yeah so throughout my career um even from when i was actually second yeah a bit maybe from two years i've been teaching a year <laughs> is what i mean yeah i've been teaching a year and they had me training other teachers <laughs> um yeah so uh, mentoring etc other teachers so um throughout my time i've had student teachers that i've trained and i've observed and i've worked alongside to help support um become great teachers and you know just yeah right you know writing their reports etc etc so 
Mm. Yeah. Well, you would know what are the key ingredients are to a, you know, a good learning environment. So what would you see here and feel within a classroom? Um, <clears throat> you would hear questions. Mm. You would hear questions from the, from the teacher and the students, because it's important if the, the, the students feel comfortable and confident to ask questions, have a dialogue with the teacher. Mm. Um, that shows a good thing because um, that shows that there's a, a relationship mm -hmm. um, and that's a learning environment that everybody's able to pose questions and ask questions. Um, I'd want to see good behavior, like behavior for learning, you know, I want to see the kids engaged, you know, I don't want to see them looking out the window or playing with their pen or looking behind them or whispering or I don't know shoving a chewing gum or some crisps in their mouth under as we all did under yeah. the table that type of thing. when I'm being observed the minute that another teacher walks into my class to observe me my class sit up because the relationship that we have me and them they know what it is when someone comes into the classroom so even though we might just be chilling out, you know, our normal environment with me and Miss Rob, et cetera, et cetera. When somebody walks through that door, like they're going to observe anyone, the class will sit up for you. The class will, you know what I mean? They're, even if it might be a bit of a show, whatever, they will be the good kids for you because you've got that relationship with them, you know? Um, so yeah, you want to see them sit up a bit. You want to see them engaging. You want to see them asking questions. You want to see them actively doing the, doing the work. The main thing that I learned at the Institute, which was one of the first things they probably the first thing they ever told us about teaching, which stands true for me today. And I still say it in my head is who are the learners and what do they know? Wow. Who are the learners and what do they know? True. Yeah. When you know them, yeah, you know them. So you've got to know who they are, whether that's the SEN, EAL, maybe if they're a looked after kid, or you know where they're coming from in terms of their attainment, what their weaknesses are in English. So who are they? And what do they know? What do they know? Where are their gaps? What do they know? Well, I know that little Tommy doesn't know how to use semicolons, but he's, and, but he's really, really good at reading and got good vocab. I don't know, whatever, I'm making it up. Then you can help, you know, isn't it? Someone's got, a, if someone came into your room, you should be able to say who are the learners and what do they know and how are you going to impact that? Yeah. So you know your group profile. You should know your yes, group profile. Yes, yes. You know the yeah. learners. I think this is really interesting. I think whoever is listening to this will be able to get a really good insight into teaching and also into middle management, but soon you'll be senior management. Head off a school, yeah? Oh, no. I don't know about... I'm not sure about head off a school. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. Let's, let's, let's get me in SLT first. But... Um, yeah, I never really had aspirations to be to be ahead of a school. Okay. Um, I didn't, which is, uh, that's probably another reason why I didn't really push for it when I was younger as well, because I didn't necessarily have aspirations for it. Um, and I'm not sure if I still do, but I know that I want to be in senior leader. I know I, I want to be a senior leader, so one step at a time, you know. Post-coronavirus, digital technology, how has that impacted your work within education? Well, I mean, we would have always said you can't work from home as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? 
<laughs> but we did, didn't we? Yeah. We did. For how we many months? How many months? Do you know what I mean? We did. We did it for what? Three, four months. Yeah, we worked from home. You know, I was doing I was doing lessons on Microsoft uh, Teams, teaching. I mean, it's not ideal. Mm -hmm. It's not ideal. I'm not going to lie, but it worked. And actually, some students preferred it. You know, some uh, school refusers or, you know, students who struggle socially, etc., or students who are not well a lot, mm -hmm. they preferred it because they, they could tap in from the comfort of their own home and they felt included in that way, you know. Um, six formers, I think for six formers, it worked quite well as well because it meant they were able to manage their time, etc. But I'm not saying it's an ideal scenario. However, it did seem to work. And I think that there were gonna be questions that people are gonna to have to answer in like the future in terms of the way that teachers teach moving forward. I mean, I think that there are a lot of industries now that don't wanna go back. Yes. <laughs> They don't want to. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who works in marketing and he said that they're, they're, they're not going to go back. They're definitely not going back between now and next year summer. This, this firm have just said that they are not going back um, and they might never go back. Um, and I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of companies and a lot of firms that are finding new ways to work um etc etc so um it's not ideal you do need to be in the classroom you do need to have that face-to-face -face, like re interaction with students definitely younger students but i do think in some there is an argument for older kids at least some of the time mm. i think that's that could definitely be the way of the future maybe do you know then of course like flip classroom learning where you know they do some of you know the prepared work at home do your research and then come into school and then let's discuss type of thing yeah you know that could be a way yeah yeah like that or or just or yeah or just remote like we're doing now yeah. that's what i had lots of lessons like that and um you know where i could show my screen mm. um we were also making videos as well so we were recording ourselves so doing the powerpoint doing the vo the voiceover or having us in a little square like zoom in the PowerPoint, narrating the PowerPoint with the students, um, inputting quizzes and activities within the videos. So it's like a whole interactive lesson. They can click on it and we put our quiz and our questions in it with the time and everything. Like, gosh, I became like, I felt like I was like a, a YouTuber, you know, like some, you know, like an online course provider. Yeah. That's yeah. li literally yeah. what we became, like an online course provider, because we were like whipping out all of these videos, lesson after lesson, like with voiceovers and all sorts. We have definitely been propelled into the future. And I just hope that, you know, we can't be left behind in terms of, you know, Great Britain as a whole. So we have to get up to date. Everybody's IT skills have to get up to date lifelong learning within it digital and tech it's a way forward i mean mm. so we, we need to gain those skills and de and develop them and use them within education yeah yeah for sure okay i was watching um a color and he's got this um 
series on YouTube. I really like Akala, you know. I, really I love Akala. I absolutely love him. Why? I'm listening Why? to his book right now. He was talking about the life lessons that he's learned through starting the Hip Hop Shakespeare Company. And he said that education should be fun. It should be inspiring. So finish off the sentence for me. Education should be... Enlightening and inspiring. Why do you pick those two words? Because I think it should teach you something. So you should be enlightened about something. Uh, so that's the learning process, you know, light bulb moments going off. But it, it should also be inspiring. So it should want you to go off and do something else with it. So it should inspire you to be a better person or behave in a specific way or go and reach out to this country or this person or be this, you know, have this career. It should inspire you. It should ignite something in you as well as enlighten you. Inspire and enlighten you. Hmm. That's good. I remembered from my notes. Oh, you remember from your notes? You're too funny. <laughs> You, you, you know what, Natalie, you are a very good student. <laughs> you made notes. I made notes. Oh my gosh. So somebody who is listening to this and watching this, like they want to get into teaching, you know, they've listened to you and they're like, do you know what? Definitely. I want to get into teaching. Where do they go? What do they do? I would go to um, the government website, like how to teach. Um, and then it tells you all the different ways that you can get into teaching um, so you can then choose that's what I did and I know that it's still there um, so it will tell you all the different ways to go into teaching all of the qualifications that you might need and it will give it will break down the different ways as well so you can find the way that best suits you because I know people who went and who went into teaching around the time same time that I did who found that the PGC wouldn't have worked for them because they needed money, you know? Mm -hmm. um, they needed to earn money. Whereas, you know, I was still living at home and they were giving us a bursary at the time. So some subjects are part priority subjects like science and maths. Um, English used to be, but I don't think it's so much now. And they actually pay for your course. Well, they used to and I think they still do. So they, they pay for your, um, it's an MA now, so not fair. Uh, my the my year was not an MA it was just a PGCE um, and then all the years after that it's actually an MA that you do so um, it's really well worth doing because I that's the next thing on my step on the step for me to do is I really want my a master's um, so yeah go on the government website um, teach how to teach um, I'm pretty sure if you put that into Google it will come up with it you can go on it and you can choose your route and find out your route and find out what qualifications you need um, and go from there. Okay, excellent. So did you have a mentor throughout your career so far? I've had mentors at various stages and I do have a mentor for this course that I'm on right now. So um, the course that I'm starting in September, um, I've got the vice principal is my mentor. Um, yeah, I, 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 I go straight for the top. Go yeah. straight to the top, girlfriend. I go straight from the top. And I knew that I needed a mentor. Yeah. I'd go straight to the VP. I sent him wow. an email. Mm -hmm. I said, I, uh, I hope you can help me, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing this course. I think that you'll be the best person. He was like, yeah, anything that you need, Natalie, I'll be there to help you. 
that's absolutely fine. Great. Yeah. That's one thing I about me is I will go and speak to who I need to speak to. If it's the head, I'll go and speak to the head, whoever. whoever. Mm. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to start a career as a teacher? What advice would you give to them? Um, I think what advice would they give to them? In terms of... It depends what... It depends what stage you're at. So if you're just not sure, let's just say you're not sure, yeah. you want to, you're not sure, pre-COVID, you know, schools love volunteers. Schools love people who are wanting to be a teacher and not sure what they want to. They'll definitely, we've had loads of people come in, sit in backs of classrooms and watch, uh, you know, maybe follow me around for a day or follow me and some other colleagues around so you can get a feel for whether you like it or not. Um, yeah, so go into a school because you won't actually really know until you go into a school to see whether it's for you. I mean, I was a TA, so I kind of knew what it was going to be like in a primary school. Um, but I knew I didn't want to work in a primary school. I knew I didn't want to work with the little kids. Um, and a part of my course, I before going to do my course, so my course started, I had to do a week. I had to do a week in a, in a school. So why not do that? Why not do that even before you start? Just to give, give yourself a bit of a, an idea if it's for you or not. So I think I would do that if I wasn't sure. But if I know, yeah, I definitely want to do it. My advice would be go on the website. Um, my advice would be um, if once you get on your training contract and you've got your place, um, look after yourself, <laughs> get sleep. Yeah. <laughs> That's the real—that's the work-life balance that we were talking about. Oh um, yeah, because especially when you're learning, especially when you're training, it's like it hits you like you don't like you don't know. I don't want to put anyone off. I just want to make—I <laughs> just want to make you aware. And as I've been a mentor and I've been a trainer for teachers, that's one thing that we get trained as trainers to look out for their well-being and make sure that they are eating and drinking and and sleeping and yeah it's a big thing so my thing would just be have that in your mind that you're going to look you need to look after yourself um because it is very demanding but yeah my advice is do it do it if you you know the reward that you're going to get is you just know you, i don't know what other job unless you're like i don't know a nurse or you know something like that but the reward the reward you get from it and the feeling that you get from it um is just amazing um i don't know what else i mean there are other jobs that i'm sure you get the same type of feeling but if this is your calling and this is what you want to do i think just go for it absolutely go for it hey everyone this is your host, Sophia Lewis, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Employability Matters, a careers and job related podcast where we dive into all topics associated with the world of work. Thank you for subscribing. I very much appreciate your support and remember to share with your family and friends. It would be appreciated if you could leave a great review 
on our YouTube channel, Anchor FM, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I will be back next week for another great episode. So until then, remember, employability matters. Oh,